part thirteen of a collection of stories reviews and essays by willis ebert cather this librivox recording is in the public domain part thirteen the bohemian girl sections seven and eight the moonlight flooded that great silent land the reaped fields lay yellow in it the straw stacks and poplar windbreaks threw sharp black shadows the roads were white rivers of dust the sky was a deep crystalline blue and the stars were few and faint everything seemed to have succumbed to have sunk to sleep under the great golden tender midsummer moon the splendour of it seemed to transcend human life and human fate the senses were too feeble to take it in and every time one looked up at the sky one felt unequal to it as if one were sitting deaf under the waves of a great river of melody near the road nils ericsson was lying against a straw stack in olaf's wheat-field his own life seemed strange and unfamiliar to him as if it were something he had read about or dreamed and forgotten he lay very still watching the white road that ran in front of him lost himself among the fields and then at a distance reappeared over a little hill at last against this white band he saw something moving rapidly and he got up and walked to the edge of the field she is passing the row of poplars now he thought he heard the padded beat of hoofs along the dusty road and as she came into sight he stepped out and waved his arms then for fear of frightening the horse he drew back and waited clara had seen him and she came up at a walk nils took the horse by the bit and stroked his neck what are you doing out so late clara vavrika i went to the house but joanna told me you had gone to your father's who can stay in the house on a night like this aren't you out yourself ah but that's another matter nils turned the horse into the field what are you doing where are you taking norman not far but i want to talk to you to-night i have something to say to you i can't talk to you at the house with olaf sitting there on the porch weighing a thousand tons clara laughed he won't be sitting there now he's in bed by this time and asleep weighing a thousand tons nils plodded on across the stubble are you really going to spend the rest of your life like this night after night summer after summer haven't you anything better to do on a night like this than to wear yourself and norman out tearing across the country to your father's and back besides your father won't live forever you know his little place will be shut up or sold and then you'll have nobody but the ericsons you'll have to fasten down the hatches for the winter then clara moved her head restlessly oh don't talk about that i try never to think of it if i lost father i'd lose everything even my hold over the ericsons bah you'd lose a good deal more than that you'd lose your race everything that makes you yourself you've lost a good deal of it now of what of your love of life your capacity for delight clara put her hands up to her face i haven't niels ericsson i haven't say anything to me but that i won't have it she declared vehemently nils led the horse up to a straw stack and turned to clara looking at her intently as he had looked at her that sunday afternoon at vavrika's but why do you fight for that so 
what good is the power to enjoy if you never enjoy your hands are cold again what are you afraid of all the time ah you're afraid of losing it that's what's the matter with you and you will clara vavrika you will when i used to know you listen you've caught a wild bird in your hand haven't you and felt its heart beat so hard that you were afraid it would shatter its little body to pieces well you used to be just like that a slender eager thing with a wild delight inside you that is how i remembered you and i come back and find you a bitter woman this is a perfect ferret fight here you live by biting and being bitten can't you remember what life used to be can't you remember that old delight i've never forgotten it or known its like on land or sea he drew the horse under the shadow of the straw stack clara felt him take her foot out of the stirrup and she slid softly down into his arms he kissed her slowly he was a deliberate man but his nerves were steel when he wanted anything something flashed out from him like a knife out of a sheath clara felt everything slipping away from her she was flooded by the summer night he thrust his hand into his pocket and then held it out at arm's length look he said the shadow of the straw stack fell sharp against his wrist and in the palm of his hand she saw a silver dollar shining that's my pile he muttered will you go with me clara nodded and dropped her forehead on his shoulder nils took a deep breath will you go with me to-night where she whispered softly to town to catch the midnight flyer clara lifted her head and pulled herself together are you crazy nils we couldn't go away like that that's the only way we ever will go you can't sit on the bank and think about it you have to plunge that's the way i've always done and it's the right way for people like you and me there's nothing so dangerous as sitting still you've only got one life one youth and you can let it slip through your fingers if you want to nothing easier most people do that you'd be better off tramping the roads with me than you are here nils held back her head and looked into her eyes but i'm not that kind of a tramp clara you won't have to take in sewing i'm with a norwegian shipping line came over on business with the new york offices but now i'm going straight back to bergen i expect i've got as much money as the ericsons father sent me a little to get started they never knew about that there i hadn't meant to tell you i wanted you to come on your own nerve clara looked off across the fields it isn't that nils but something seems to hold me i'm afraid to pull against it it comes out of the ground i think i know all about that one has to tear loose you're not needed here your father will understand he's made like us as for olaf johanna will take better care of him than ever you could it's now or never clara vavrika my bag's at the station i smuggled it there yesterday clara clung to him and hid her face against his shoulder not to-night she whispered sit here and talk to me to-night i don't want to go anywhere to-night i may never love you like this again nils laughed through his teeth you can't come that on me that's not my way clara vavrika eric's mare is over there behind the stacks and i'm off on the midnight it's good-bye or off across the world with me my carriage won't wait i've written a letter to olaf 
i'll mail it in town when he reads it he won't bother us not if i know him he'd rather have the land besides i could demand an investigation of his administration of cousin henrik's estate and that would be bad for a public man you've no clothes i know but you can sit up to-night and we can get everything on the way where's your old dash clara vavrika what's become of your bohemian blood i used to think you had courage enough for anything where's your nerve what are you waiting for clara drew back her head and he saw the slumberous fire in her eyes for you to say one thing nils ericsson i never say that thing to any woman clara vavrika he leaned back lifted her gently from the ground and whispered through his teeth but i'll never never let you go not to any man on earth but me do you understand me now wait here clara sank down on a sheaf of wheat and covered her face with her hands she did not know what she was going to do whether she would go or stay the great silent country seemed to lay a spell upon her the ground seemed to hold her as if by roots her knees were soft under her she felt as if she could not bear separation from her old sorrows from her old discontent they were dear to her they had kept her alive they were a part of her there would be nothing left of her if she were wrenched away from them never could she pass beyond that sky-line against which her restlessness had beat so many times she felt as if her soul had built itself a nest there on that horizon at which she looked every morning and every evening and it was dear to her inexpressibly dear she pressed her fingers against her eyeballs to shut it out beside her she heard the tramping of horses in the soft earth nils said nothing to her he put his hands under her arms and lifted her lightly to her saddle then he swung himself into his own we shall have to ride fast to catch the midnight train a last gallop clara vavrika forward there was a start a thud of hoofs along the moonlit road two dark shadows going over the hill and then the great still land stretched untroubled under the azure night two shadows had passed eight a year after the flight of olaf ericsson's wife the night train was steaming across the plains of iowa the conductor was hurrying through one of the day coaches his lantern on his arm when a lank fair-haired boy sat up in one of the plush seats and tweaked him by the coat what is the next stop please sir red oak iowa but you go through to chicago don't you he looked down and noticed that the boy's eyes were red and his face was drawn as if he were in trouble yes but i was wondering whether i could get off at the next place and get a train back to omaha well i suppose you could live in omaha no in the western part of the state how soon do we get to red oak forty minutes you'd better make up your mind so i can tell the baggageman to put your trunk off oh never mind about that i mean i haven't got any the boy added blushing runaway the conductor thought as he slammed the coach door behind him eric ericsson crumpled down in his seat and put his brown hand to his forehead he had been crying and he had had no supper and his head was aching violently oh what shall i do he thought as he looked dully down at his big shoes 
nils will be ashamed of me i haven't got any spunk ever since nils had run away with his brother's wife life at home had been hard for little eric his mother and olaf both suspected him of complicity mrs ericson was harsh and fault-finding constantly wounding the boy's pride and olaf was always getting her against him joe vavrika heard often from his daughter clara had always been fond of her father and happiness made her kinder she wrote him long accounts of the voyage to bergen and of the trip she and nils took through bohemia to the little town where her father had grown up and where she herself was born she visited all her kinsmen there and sent her father news of his brother who was a priest of his sister who had married a horse-breeder of their big farm and their many children these letters joe always managed to read to little eric they contained messages for eric and hilda clara sent presents too which eric never dared to take home and which poor little hilda never even saw though she loved to hear eric tell about them when they were out getting the eggs together but olaf once saw eric coming out of vavrika's house the old man had never asked the boy to come into his saloon and olaf went straight to his mother and told her that night mrs ericson came to eric's room after he was in bed and made a terrible scene she could be very terrifying when she was really angry she forbade him ever to speak to vavrika again and after that night she would not allow him to go to town alone so it was a long while before eric got any more news of his brother but old joe suspected what was going on and he carried clara's letters about in his pocket one sunday he drove out to see a german friend of his and chanced to catch sight of eric sitting by the cattle pond in the big pasture they went together into fritz oberly's barn and read the letters and talked things over eric admitted that things were getting hard for him at home that very night old joe sat down and laboriously penned a statement of the case to his daughter things got no better for eric his mother and olaf felt that however closely he was watched he still as they said heard mrs ericson could not admit neutrality she had sent joanna vavrika packing back to her brothers though olaf would much rather have kept her than anders eldest daughter whom mrs ericson installed in her place he was not so high-handed as his mother and he once sulkily told her that she might better have taught her granddaughter to cook before she sent joanna away olaf could have borne a good deal for the sake of prunes spiced in honey the secret of which joanna had taken away with her at last two letters came to joe vavrika one from nils enclosing a postal order for money to pay eric's passage to bergen and one from clara saying that nils had a place for eric in the office of his company that he was to live with them and that they were only waiting for him to come he was to leave new york on one of the boats of nils own line the captain was one of their friends and eric was to make himself known at once nils directions were so explicit that a baby could have followed them eric felt and here he was nearing red oak iowa and rocking backward and forward in despair never had he loved his brother so much and never had the big world called to him so hard but there was a lump in his throat which would not go down ever since nightfall he had been tormented by the thought of his mother alone in that big house that had sent forth so many men her unkindness now seemed so little and her loneliness so great 
he remembered everything she had ever done for him how frightened she had been when he tore his hand in the corn-sheller and how she wouldn't let olaf scold him when nils went away he didn't leave his mother all alone or he would never have gone eric felt sure of that the train whistled the conductor came in smiling not unkindly well young man what are you going to do we stop at red oak in three minutes yes thank you i'll let you know the conductor went out and the boy doubled up with misery he couldn't let his one chance go like this he felt for his breast pocket and crackled nils kind letter to give him courage he didn't want nils to be ashamed of him the train stopped suddenly he remembered his brother's kind twinkling eyes that always looked at you as if from far away the lump in his throat softened ah but nils nils would understand he thought that's just it about nils he always understands a lank pale boy with a canvas telescope stumbled off the train to the red oak siding just as the conductor called all aboard the next night mrs erickson was sitting alone in her wooden rocking-chair on the front porch little hilda had been sent to bed and had cried herself to sleep the old woman's knitting was in her lap but her hands lay motionless on top of it for more than an hour she had not moved a muscle she simply sat as only the erickson's and the mountains can sit the house was dark and there was no sound but the croaking of the frogs down in the pond of the little pasture eric did not come home by the road but across the fields where no one could see him he set his telescope down softly in the kitchen shed and slipped noiselessly along the path to the front porch he sat down on the step without saying anything mrs erickson made no sign and the frogs croaked on at last the boy spoke timidly i've come back mother very well said mrs erickson eric leaned over and picked up a little stick out of the grass how about the milking he faltered that's been done hours ago who did you get get i did it myself i can milk as good as any of you eric slid along the step nearer to her oh mother why did you he asked sorrowfully why didn't you get one of otto's boys i didn't want anybody to know i was in need of a boy said mrs erickson bitterly she looked straight in front of her and her mouth tightened i always meant to give you the home farm she added the boy started and slid closer oh mother he faltered i don't care about the farm i came back because i thought you might be needing me maybe he hung his head and got no further very well said mrs erickson her hand went out from her suddenly and rested on his head her fingers twined themselves in his soft pale hair his tears splashed down on the boards happiness filled his heart mcclure's august nineteen twelve end of part thirteen